Hey friends, welcome to Conversations with Kenzie, a podcast hosted by yours truly, Kenzie Brenna. No topic goes unturned here. We talk about everything with everyone. We like to get raw and sometimes we get heavy and sometimes we swear. So I'm warning you now. Also, we are working remotely. So audio quality between host and guest may differ. Lastly, check out our show notes for giveaways, fun promotions, or discounts to our favorite stuff. Enjoy the show. So as you all know, I'm not a big fan of cooking. I don't really like prepping food. I don't really like making food. I'm a bit of a minimalist, to be honest. And one of my go-tos, and you've heard me talk about it before, they are my favorite, it's the Avive smoothies. They are so good. They are a three-step blender-free smoothie. Yes, blender-free, friends. They're amazing. They are packed with micronutrients. I absolutely love them if I'm trying to get in a couple, little bit more vitamins, some more minerals. And they come in these frozen wheels with these little pods and you pop them out into your favorite mason jar or shaker and you put your favorite liquid on them. So I use oat milk or hot tip. If you don't want to use that, I actually sometimes pour in hot water if I'm feeling really antsy and then they melt a little bit faster and then you shake and then it's done. And then you literally drink up and they're so delicious. They're so good. I want to tell you about one of my favorites. It's Yogi smoothie and it has banana, pear, rehydrated plant-based protein. So you're getting a bit of protein in there. Spinach, spirulina, dehydrated vegetables. So you've got spinach, broccoli, carrot, tomato, beet, shiitake, lots of spinach in this one, but super tasty. You know, you're not getting something that tastes like super earthy or anything like that. It's really, really, really yummy and they're creamy and they're so good. They are available online. So they have an online smoothie subscription that is completely customizable and commitment-free. They're also available in over 3,000 grocery stores across Canada and the U.S. And in the show notes, there is going to be a link and I have a code for you today. It is KenzieBrenna30 that you can use towards your purchase of Avive Smoothies today. Okay. Hello, Brenta. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I feel very refreshed today. This is like my first day off in a while and I just got back from vacation. And I made the horrible, horrible decision to go right back into work when I got back. So this is my day off, and I'm glad that we're doing this today. Oh, me too. I'm I'm so happy that you had a day off, that you're having a day off. It is very, very necessary right now in the times that we're in that we are scheduling in rest, like real rejuvenating rest, not productive rest, not rest where we're like, well, we're going to do all of these things while we rest. But I'm talking about slow, deep, hopefully comfortable, but uncomfortable rest, you know, where you have to like really disconnect yourself. It's so important. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I went, I went to Alberta for my rest. I have family there Mm. and I got to just relax and do nothing. And I was like, well, I did nothing for a week so I can come back and jump right back into it. And I learned a very important lesson in what I would call like decompressing and sort of like easing back into things because I was overwhelmed and it just almost like backtracked all of the very important rest that I got for the week Mm -hmm. and almost took a bad toll on my mental health in that 24 hours. So I'm very, very glad that I learned that lesson. I won't be doing that again. (laughs) How did you uh, get out of that? 
I was very purposeful in how I structured my day. So Mm -hmm. I saw the signs of, you know, what would have been another burnout very quickly. I filled every minute of my day when I got back with work. I worked two jobs. So I put both of my jobs uh, in there and I decided, well, this is not, this is not how I should be feeling, especially after vacation. And today I was very purposeful today. I was like, okay, I'm going to sit with my family. I'm going to record with Kenzie and it's going to be a great conversation, but I'm going to do what I want to do. And you know what? Monday's a new day. I can start again then. Yeah. Monday's a new day. Tomorrow's a new day as well. It's like, you don't, we don't even have to wait for technically the start of the week. It's just, sometimes we just need that sleep reset that kind of recharges us. What does, I'm really curious, like what do signs of a burnout look like for you? Because I'm not even quite sure if I am self-aware enough right now to recognize them on myself. Like I don't, I, I could just be perpetually burnt out and I'm not 100% sure on what, what exactly what it looks like. So I'm curious, like, what does that look like for you? I do feel like, I'm glad that you said that too, because I do feel like it's different for everybody. For me per, uh, personally, I see signs of burnout when I'm very, very highly stressed. And I notice that I take that out on the people around me. So I live with my fiance and I have a dog. And if something that shouldn't irritate me is irritating me because I'm putting all of this focus and all of my energy on work, then I have learned to realize that, hey, this is probably a moment where I need to step back. I probably need to reset or just the best thing I've ever learned to do for myself is to learn when to cut off work. Because I used to work until like the wee hours of the morning and I'd start at like 7 a.m. and I wouldn't give myself a break. So learning to say, hey, I've done enough for the day has been so crucial for me to have healthy work days. Um, Yeah, but for me, just very high stress levels. It's how I treat myself. It's how I treat uh, the people around me. Burnout for some people can be exhaustion too. Like I, at the end of every day, will just knock out. I feel physically and mentally exhausted. Um, All horrible signs of clearly ways we should not not be treating our bodies. But for me, it's more of a mental sign, I think. Yeah, I hear you. And like that feeling at the end of the day where you're just so zonked and you're like, oh my God, I don't have any, any energy for anything anymore. That's, that's very real. And being irritable for sure at things that you're like, I could, I used to be able to emotionally regulate myself when it comes to this, but now I feel like I'm very out of control with my emotions. And this is something very minor. That is an excellent sign for sure. And not something that I think that we all are noticing or looking on ourselves. And I really truly feel like I'm curious, like, what is your social media use like when you are feeling burnt out? Because for me, when I am in that place of irritability, I go online and it just activates the fuck out of me. Like, I just, I go online and everything pisses me off or things make me sad. Like, or I get into like a really bad headspace where I get irritated with myself. You know, I'm like, why don't I have this that this person has? Why don't I have, you know, the X, Y, Z, whatever it is. And I just get really stressed out online. So what's your, so when, do you ever find that you're going online and you're like, this isn't good for my mental health because I'm already burnt out and this is burning me out more? 
I formed a really bad habit, especially in the pandemic, of whenever I need a quote unquote break, I go to social media. And that's not really a break. That's not, you know, decompressing or separating yourself um, mentally from what you should be separating yourself from. That's just sort of activating your brain in all these different ways. And mine was, I had the exact same experience as you. For me, I'd go online, I'd call it a break, um, especially when I was burnt out. I lean more on social media and I do a lot of comparing, especially when I started working in social media. Um, a lot of, well, why aren't I here yet? And how did they get there? And why can't I do that? And why can't I afford this? A lot of comparing. And I think especially with TikTok, because it's just sort of a never ending scroll. Um, whereas Instagram, you can sort of hit the bottom and I have before. But with TikTok especially, I find that it's so incredibly unhealthy um, just for your mind because it really doesn't help you shut off. It really sort of is still on, but in a different way. And yeah, for me, there was a lot of trigger points, especially when it came to my work and when it came to my body. Mm, totally. It's so funny because before when Instagram was chronologically ordered, you could actually hit the bottom. And you could be like, oh, I'm caught up for the day and I'm done. But the infinite scrolling thing is such a fantastic tack that Instagram has figured out. Because we're like, we're, we're literally like primates. Like if you give a primate anything and it's infinite, it doesn't, you have to self-regulate. And we're not really great at that. You know, it's you're truly genius because it just makes us stay on site longer. And it's such a great, it's a great marketing tack by Instagram. Thank you, Instagram. Because you have to constantly, you have to break up your own attention. You have to interrupt yourself to say, oh, actually, I'm doing that thing right now and we're not good at it. Anyways, um, I think that the hyper scrolling in a hyper normal environment is really detrimental because I think that Instagram is so curated regardless if we're even following body positive or body confident or different types of people on our feeds those photos are still selected and edited and those photos are still put up and curated in specific ways and we storytell in our heads. And when you've gone through the day and you're like, I'm stressed out about this, this isn't happening or this isn't working for me. And then you're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take some time to scroll Instagram or TikTok. And then you go and you're like not feeling great about yourself again. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to let go of that and like actually do some of that self that hardcore self-care where you're like I'm going to journal or I'm going to gratitude list yeah. or I'm going to meditate or I'm going to like just be quiet with myself I'm going to put my phone down that stuff seems so impossible because you want to distract yourself and Instagram's a fucking great great distraction I do find that TikTok TikTok both is the filters on TikTok are worse than the filters on Instagram Filters on TikTok are so intense, but because there's also so much comedy and like real life stuff on TikTok, it's almost, it feels like some of it's balanced out in a way, but Instagram, I feel like is a little bit of a, it's a bit of a buzzkill for me. I've actually like muted a lot of people that has been actually really good for, for me and like feeling burnt out online is actually muting just so many people just so that way. I go on and I'm like only seeing cat videos and dog videos and like <laughs> memes, you know? 
I'm the same way. I actually, I was talking about this recently with somebody how um, I have so many like great creator friends that I found online, but I have a lot of them muted during certain periods of my life where I go online and it's so unhealthy for me and it has absolutely nothing to do with them. And it would never be a personal thing. It's just for me, the way social media has sort of taken hold of my mind, um, the way that everything is sort of curated online for me and the way my brain is working at this time it becomes really, really unhealthy sometimes. And the last thing I ever want to do is like send somebody else bad vibes for what's going through my mind or the things that I need to deal with. So yeah, I mean, great tools that Instagram has, like the mute button and the block function, but obviously there's still a lot, a lot more work to do when it comes to how they've created that platform and what they what they want us to do with it is what I should say. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, like, tell me a little bit more about your backstory about how you kind of got into going on Instagram and talking so openly about your body and about mental health and stuff, because I'm not quite sure if I even know about your backstory. I think I'd, I only started following you last year, within this last year. And I would love, love, love to know more about you because your stuff is so helpful and so wonderful and so f- and funny and beautiful and poetic and all of the things that I just love in the world. So tell me a little bit more about what made you want to show up online the way that you're showing up right now. So my journey was a little bit backwards, I will say. I'll, I'll call it backwards. Um, I got engaged and this was in like, this was right before the pandemic and I spent the majority of the first year of the pandemic doing what most brides do, you immediately go into, well, I need to quote unquote shred for the wedding. Shredding for the wedding is what they call it. And so that's what I did. And for the 100th time in my life, I lost weight. I did it in an incredibly unhealthy way. Once again, I wasn't dealing with any of my issues with food or my relationship with my body. And I gained all of the weight back. And I was posting a little bit of my like weight loss journey online. And then I got to sort of like this, I would call it like a breaking point when I had to go wedding dress shopping. Um, And I pushed it back as far as I possibly could. And I finally got to like the week of, I think I would think, I would say it was the week of um, wedding dress shopping. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't think about my body anymore. I have waited to buy a wedding dress for my entire life. Like this is like my dream moment. There is no way in hell I am going to let this day be manipulated by what I think of my body or what the world thinks about my body. And so I was just, you know, I hit rock bottom, very frustrated. And I just went in and I was practicing what would be called body neutrality now. But I didn't know what it was then. I basically said I was going to go in, look at wedding dresses and not think about my body make it about the experience and I didn't have very high hopes but you know it was one hour and for that one hour I did exactly what I said I was going to do and I was very very surprised and very optimistic and I thought well a I cannot be the only person who feels this way and b this was so hopeful for me that those 60 minutes were so impactful and hopeful for me that I want to share them with other people And maybe it can make them feel the same way. Maybe it can give them a little bit of hope. Maybe it can make them feel a little bit more positive about their relationship with their body. And so I worked on my relationship with my body, with my relationship with food. And I started sharing all of that. 
And I did it in a way that was like authentically me. Like I made really corny jokes through TikTok and like I would use, I love it. (laughs) I would use like different sounds and make sort of uh, a statement with them. It really all started on TikTok for me. And then I'd come online, I'd share, I'd write captions that I would hope would resonate with people. And I think it's been a year now since I've been doing this. And clearly it has. Mm. So, I mean, it started off a little bit negatively and it sort of turned into something what I hope to be is positive for people now. And what was your relationship like with your body growing up? Did you feel like mostly confident in it growing up? And then there was a point where you're like, oh, my confidence is plummeting because maybe something happened or because I'm gaining weight or whatever it is. But how was your how was your relationship with your body growing up? I was always aware of my body growing up, like always aware of what it needed to be. Like, I don't ever remember a time where I wasn't focused on what my body needed to look like in clothes. Because I was raised in a culture, like I was raised in South Asian culture, and body image is not something you talk about, but you certainly talk about other people's bodies. And so that's what I was raised around. Auntie saying, well, look at her, she's gotten too big, or you need to lose weight here, or she's too skinny, or it it just was never ending. And in our culture, you're not really supposed to say anything, like you're supposed to respect your elders. It's not really, it's bad form to really correct your elders even if that means that you're standing up for yourself so I not only learned that people were going to talk about me I learned that in order for them to stop I just had to change because I wasn't allowed to speak up for myself and so it did a number on my mental health did a number on my body but I was from a young age focused on how I could change my body focused on how to get into that size double zero how to, you know, when I was of the age to wear saris in my culture, um, how to be skinny enough and have a flat enough belly to wear saris to the point where I could actually show my stomach. And it was incredibly unhealthy. I had no idea what was going on. To me, that was all normal. Like there was nothing, there was no red flags to me then. It wasn't until I got to like my 20s where people started talking about body image a little bit more and body positivity and acceptance of your body and, you know, eating disorders a little bit more that I did my own research and spoke to a doctor and was figured out, figured out that I had actually gone through a couple eating disorders. Um, and I worked with therapists and doctors to overcome them and to deal with my relationship with food. Um, There was a lot going on there, but my body was always, always, always something that I was aware of in a negative light. These are the first maybe two years of my life where I'm aware of it in like a positive light. And that's Mm. just, that's so beautiful for me. I'm so proud of you for being able to be in that space and for the fact that you've done obviously so much work to be able to look at your body and be aware of it in a positive light. And that that does remind me of how before finding the body confidence community and before finding the body positivity space online, it really did feel like I had only acknowledged my body in negative ways, like only ever acknowledged it, like only noticing it when it was bad, like never noticing the positive. And it was so, so overwhelming, exactly like what you were saying. And I'm curious, 
when you know you started to get help for your mental health and you came to the realization that you were actually struggling with eating disorders did you tell your aunties like like how was you know your family and um the southeast south is it southeast asian or south south asian how was the south asian community um you know were they open to hearing about your struggles or is that still something that you know you're not necessarily open with them about I've never sat down and actually had, that's so emotional to even think about. I've never actually sat down to actually have those conversations with people, but I still see the same behaviors in aunties or in people. My job, what I feel like my job now is maybe not to make them feel guilty about what I went through, but to create a new set of normalcy within our culture because it's not okay. It's not okay what they put these young girls through. It's not okay what they put themselves through. So if I hear something, I make sure that the people around me are okay. I make sure that they have the right resources. I don't ever want the young women, especially in my life, to have to go through what I went through. So I make it my job to sort of help in a way. But I've never actually sat down and said, well, this is what I went through because of you. My mother doesn't know that I went through this. The women in my family don't know. I talk about it online a lot. And the best thing that's ever come from it online is that I have South Asian women in our community DMing me or commenting on posts saying, this is what I went through. And you look like me and we had the same experiences. Thank you for talking about it. And thank you for helping me sort of see the light Mm. and helping me stand up for myself a little bit more. because. That that's where your power lies is is to create that change in your own life and within the culture, especially. I want to give people, especially women of color, back that power and back just just the ability to find their voice. Oh, that's so powerful. Absolutely. And you you are doing that. And so your family doesn't know about Brinstagram or your TikTok. They <laughs> I always tell people I live like a, a double life, like Hannah yeah, Montana. like I'm the South Asian Hannah Montana. Um, my mother knows, <laughs> my mother knows, and she is a, quite a progressive South Asian woman. But there are certain things like she doesn't really approve of me being naked on the internet and whatever. Mm-hmm. I get it. Um, she doesn't understand the storytelling or the power behind it, and I, 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 I completely understand. I've explained it to her a few times, but. You know, it's my life, my body, and my work, and I'm going to do what I want with it. Um, so she does know, but there are people like my uncle and stuff like that who don't really understand, don't really know what's going on. And I don't make it a point to tell people either. Mm. Like my in-laws know that I work online. They know the genre of work that I do, that it's like that it's body positivity, but they do not know the extent of it. And that's mostly because I just don't have... Like I have a really big mouth and I don't have the ability to bite my tongue for these people and to be polite when they inevitably judge the work mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. continue to misunderstand the intent of it. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's just wanting to focus on the positive and should it come up, should they bring it up to me, then I do feel it's my job to defend what I'm doing. And I, yeah. I will always do that. Then you're like, okay, let's do this WWE SmackDown. Let's, let's go. go. Yeah, let's go. Let's yeah. let's do this. I'm gonna put Vaseline on my knuckles and Conan <laughs> taking my earrings out. Done. 
<laughs> I hear if you. If it comes to that, honestly, I feel like that's what it's going to be. So like I'm, I'm avoiding it as much as possible. Like my father, um, I have sort of a back and forth, sort of an estranged relationship with him. And he lives in another country. And I'm dreading the day that he finds out because he's a very typical South Asian man, very conservative. And this is just not something I think they would understand. So I'm ready for the day. I have I have the receipts to prove that what I'm doing works and helps people. Mm-hmm. But if somebody comes to me and says something, I'm not willing to just roll over. Do you ever wish that you weren't trailblazing right now? Like, do you ever, are you ever like, I just wish that I was following in someone else's footsteps because I have to cut these branches, clear this trail for these other women. And sometimes it is a thankless, sometimes, not all the time. And I know that, that you know, we're both privileged to be able to have wonderful communities with really loving, supportive community members who are so grateful and so lovely for, you know, the stuff that we do online and for showing up and and all those things. But sometimes it is a thankless job where people don't really know and understand the energy and the time that goes into it and just how much of our lives are devoted to these little fucked up platforms that we've created <laughs> online. So do you ever, are you ever just like, you know, I just wish that I could just follow someone else's blueprint? Oh my gosh. I think I think of that like at least once a day when I'm working because, and I'm watching a masterclass right now where the term FOD, first only different came up. Um, and it refers to the a person who is doing something trailblazing, like you said, for the first time only differently than what anybody else has ever done. And I resonated with that phrase so quickly because I thought about what I was doing and I thought, well, yeah, this is sort of, it, that, that's sort of me. And it is hard. It's hard when there's South Asian people who don't understand why I'm doing this. It's hard when people judge you because of the color of your skin, because, you know, body positivity body positivity online is honestly quite expansive it's 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 a big platform now but there aren't a lot of women of color doing it mm-hmm. so to throw your name in the ring throw your hat in the ring and to be a woman of color doing it it's incredibly vulnerable it's hard and yes there are moments where i wish that somebody sort of handed me a rule book and said hey this is how to avoid not only all the missteps, but all the bullies and all the racists and all the fatphobic people. But at the same time, I wouldn't learn anything. And I think when I get to wherever I'm, I'm meant to get to in doing all of this, I think it wouldn't feel as good. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm almost glad that I get to weave all of these hardships and go through what I'm going through. And, you know, eventually along the way, I'll pick up some friends and other South Asian women who are brave enough to do what I'm doing as well. And I'll welcome them with open arms. Actually, I found a few and I'm really proud of them. But it is it is certainly, you're right, it is certainly hard. And what about your partner, your husband? Hus- My, well, yeah. fiance, we're not legally married yet. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, what does your fiance think of 
of all of this. Sorry, I assumed. Sorry, I got to backtrack. I got to call myself out. Sorry, I assumed husband. I don't. I can't remember if you said husband <laughs> during this. So I got to. Woo! I'm gonna get blowback on that, and I should. So I woo, re- redacted officially redacted. Um, fiance partner. Do they? Uh, how do how do they react to the stuff that you're doing online, and what's their response to it? Oh, don't apologize. We've been together for almost a decade. Sometimes I refer to him as my partner. Sometimes he's my fiance. Sometimes he's my husband. One time I was so tired, I met, I referred to him as my boyfriend. And this was like three weeks ago. So, <laughs> in I all honesty, it. It, he's. It. He knows. He knows that I'm referring to him and only him, and that's all that matters. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but no, he's. My mom likes to remind me every day, at least at least once a day, that I'm very lucky to have him. Um, he's very understanding, and I know he's he is also a South Asian man. We're from the same culture. We're both Tamil. I know that there are very very few men, but South Asian men in general, who would be so accepting of what. I'm doing because I am literally like I'm going to mention this again. I'm literally naked on the internet. That mm-hmm. can make a lot of people feel maybe a little bit insecure with their relationship with their partners. Maybe they think that their partner's bodies are their own uh, to claim and to have and to see. But he understands the purpose. He understands the intent behind it. That it's all positive. I've, I I'm thinking back to any moments of conflict with this, and I I, I truly cannot find any. I just I'm very, very, very lucky and grateful to have him because it would make my life 10 times harder if I had to curate what I put out based off what would make my partner feel comfortable as opposed to a message I'm trying to send or me trying to help people. So I'm, I I just, I have to keep saying that I'm very lucky. (laughs) Mm, That's great. That's great. And do you think that you have influenced his body image at all or his self-confidence or anything like that? Like, do you think that he has picked up any of that from you? I would hope so because he's a bigger guy too. He's like over six feet tall. He's, he's a bigger guy too. He's husky, he likes to say. Um, and I remember recently, actually, we went shopping for a suit for him and we didn't go to like the big and tall stores. We went to the regular stores mm. and I could see the frustration in him. And I remember thinking, wow, like, men go go through this too like Mm. this is a conversation that men should be comfortable enough to have as well and we had to sort of sit and talk about how that experience made him feel and I made him open up a little bit he was like you know what I'm fine it's okay I'm sort of used to it and I just tried to be supportive and remind him that hey like you're the clothing is meant to fit you not the other way around things that I have to Mm. run remind myself when I go shopping um but I was very proud of him for handling that in a healthy way. And I hope, I really, truly hope that anything that I'm doing or saying, because I know he sees everything online, um, I hope it resonates with him a little bit. Because, again, like a, be, a person being raised in the South Asian community, whether you're a man or a woman, or no matter how you identify, it's hard to openly talk about these things. So I know that he didn't really have an outlet either. Mm. Um, so I truly hope that this opens the conversation up for, for men as well. Do you find that there are a lot of young South Asian girls that come to your page and that feel thankful for the message that you're putting out there? I think I cry every time I get a message from like a young South Asian girl because they always announce themselves. They always say, hey, I'm 
of this nationality and I'm Mm. 15 years old or I'm 16 years old. And I'm like, wow, Mm. I remember being your age and just being in the thick of it. It was horrible. And they were like, well, I recognize this about myself. And you said this and it made me feel this way. And thank you so much for saying that. And I just, I lose it. I'm never able to (laughs) keep it together when I get those messages because you see a little bit of yourself in those people, whether or not you intend to. I always see a little bit of myself, of what I went through. Um, Mm. And because I know our culture hasn't come very far when it comes to the topic of body positivity or body image, I know that there are still generations out there going through what I went through. So I'm trying to counteract all of that with what I'm doing. So I, I, I welcome those messages and I'm, I'm very, very happy that I get them. Well, we're so lucky to have you and the South Asian community, particularly for you know women and femme people, they're also so incredibly lucky to have you. And I am curious, I'm going to push the envelope just a little bit. What about sex in the South Asian community? Like how were you raised? Like what type of messaging were you raised around sex and whatnot? Because, you know, we... I don't know if you've talked so openly about sex on your platform, but I do. And I love bringing it up because I think it's such a stigmatized topic and 99% of us are having sex and 90, and like so many of us want to be having more sex and better sex or different sex or whatever it is. So I am curious how, what sort of messaging did you get growing up from your South Asian family around sex? Oh, I could talk about this for like forever. I love it. So I'm so ready for this. I love that you asked this question. Um, Growing up, no, like you don't talk about it. It doesn't exist. It's not a thing. I remember when I was growing up, I asked my mom where babies come from and like physically, where do they come from? How do they come out of your body? And she was like, your belly button. And I was like, stop, 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 stop. What? Come on. Your belly button. Mom. Brenta's mom. <laughs> oh. okay, and okay. I remember. I don't remember who told me this. I don't think it was my mother. Somebody else in the family. I forget who it was. But I remember asking how babies are made and like where they come from. And somebody said they just happened. And I went to school and somebody was like, one of my friends was like, oh, like my cousin's about to have a baby. And I was like, oh, that's so, they're so lucky that it just happened for them. And they were like, what? It doesn't just happen. Like, they have to have sex for it to happen. And I was like, no, I was told it just happened. And I had an out of body experience that day. I was like, oh my God, I'm, like, I'm living a lie. Um, I'm living a lie. I'm Santa living a Claus lie. isn't real. Oh my God. And like, it's so funny. I'm going to relate this to Bridgerton. I don't know if you watch Bridgerton. Mm-hmm. Did I? But oh, did I? The, oh. <laughs> So it was very, I relate a lot of how I was, how I was raised with the topic of sex to that show, because the women are really kept in the dark. And she goes on her wedding night to have sex with this beautiful man and has no idea what's happening or what to do or how babies are made. And she thought she could possibly be pregnant, but he wasn't doing the thing that he needed to do. And it was a lot of ignorance, a lot of shying away from the topic because they thought that it would make you more of a woman Mm. because they thought, well, this is how ladies act and this is how we don't want you to fall into, um, you know, bad habits, quote unquote. 
rather than educating us and and you know protecting us in a smart way from from STDs, you know, from getting pregnant, from all these things that could possibly happen if we had just known, mm. if we were just told and talked to with respect as if we deserve to have this information because our bodies literally create human life from sex. Mm. So I have a lot of feelings about the South Asian community not giving women, especially. Um, I mean, I think everyone in the community is treated this way, but especially with women, you're really taught to just keep your legs closed, you know, don't date until you hit a certain age. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, why aren't you married? Mm. Or, you know, why are you not having kids? You're taught not to, you're taught to dress a certain way. This is very specific. You're taught to dress a certain way, like to cover up because it would be attracting unwanted attention. Mm. And like we wow. live in Canada. We live in Toronto where like it's it's hot. Like we have hot summers. Mm-hmm. I want to wear a skirt because it's hot out, not because I want the attention of a boy. So right. yeah, we were we were I was living in a lot of ignorance and I woke up in my twenties and decided that I was gonna do all the research that I possibly could and start having sex. Well, I had sex in my in my teenage years, but having good sex. Right. Like <laughs> mindful, meaningful, intentional. Exactly. Yeah. Intentional ways that you can connect type of sex and do you talk about sex now with your mom at all are you Um, like mom i um figured out the belly button is actually not the port (laughs) for the baby i figured it out um i do know what a clitoris is do you though like do you i have you know what she knows that i talk about vibrators and sex and Mm. you know everything on my page I, I literally don't think there's anything off limits I embrace a lot of the topic of um, you know self-pleasure and I talk a lot about a lot about vibrators on my page so she knows that I do that I've never actually sat down and said hey mom like you lied to me when I was a kid and I know where babies <laughs> come lied. from yeah <laughs> I think I will though and she won't be offended she'll be like I'm sorry but you were a baby I probably my mother was like a saint very the opposite of me like does not have a very big mouth when it comes to things like this when my kids start asking those questions they're going to get more information than they intended but i i definitely especially with like i have a young sister-in-law and i have you know young cousins and i have a niece and like i certainly am very open with them when it comes to the topic of like self-pleasure especially and consent and knowing what you need and want in a partner sexually um nothing's off limits for me and the women in my family, especially. So I am a lot more open now. Definitely. Mm, Got it. Got it. And do you find that you have South Asian friends who have become a little bit more open as they've gotten older as well? Oh yeah, definitely. Especially the women. I find that the men, I don't know if I can say that. For It's, it's, uh, I'm just going to stick to the topic of, you know, vagina holders in in the South Asian community because I find that we are a lot more open. Um, I have a lot more friends in the South Asian community now who are open to talk about it. I tell them about, you know, the courses I take and this is the vibrator that I love. I think once a year and me and my best friend go shopping for vibrators and it's not weird to us. Mm-hmm. Anyone who comes, like we have a lot of South Asian family members, cousins especially, who come and stay over at our house. And 
my vibrators are just like sitting on my bathroom counter. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to move them for you. Like last week at Thanksgiving, they wanted one of his cousins wanted a male cousin wanted a charger, a really small USB charger for his vape. And I was like, oh, my vibrator like charger might work for that. And he just laughed. He was like, yeah. Sure. Okay. Like, yeah. why not? <laughs> I will make you be comfortable with this conversation, whether you like it or not, because I'm not going to shrink myself or quiet myself down to mm. to make you comfortable. Because you've done that already, and you know that it doesn't work. Exactly. We know that it doesn't work. Everyone, we've tried. It doesn't work. <laughs> We're trying something new. Exactly. And it's expansive. Like you end up feeling like you end up. You just have so much more there's just you have a depth to experience once you start freeing yourself from the conditions once you start learning that it's not the belly buttons that are bringing out kids and (laughs) once you start knowing that like you don't have to be a size double zero in order to have a really beautiful wedding or in order to feel loved it everything just starts to feel a little bit more rich and vibrant you know it just increases your depth to experience because you're not placing these limitations on it and to me, that's like, that's the best. And I think that that's something that you've been able to give to people in your community too, is that like little taste of freedom, you know? Freedom. That's a, oh, that's like the perfect word. I freed myself and now I'm trying to help other people feel the same way because this, this feeling of freedom, it's addicting. I want mm-hmm. more of it. I didn't just want it with body positivity. I wanted it with the topic of like sexuality. I wanted it with the topic of self-pleasure. I want to free myself from all these things that I was told I couldn't talk about or that I couldn't be. So Mm. you you worded it perfectly. Brenda, thank you so much for coming on today. Where can everybody find you online if they want to chat further with you? They can find me on Instagram at Brinstagram. That's a little cute play on my name. And on TikTok at Brenda Pong. I love it. And you're seriously one of my favorite accounts to follow. I love your messaging. I think you're so wonderful and funny and real and just rich. And you've added so much value to my life. And I know that you do for other people. And you're just so beautiful on top of it. It's like truly baffling. Truly. I won't. I won't. I won't. I have to. I I do have to say you are the first. You introduced me to body positivity i found you and i found like really i found an expansive universe online that i did not know existed you started it all for me so thank you for leading the way for us all and thank you for having me oh i love it it's like we've come full circle then yes (laughs) that's so great i'm so glad i'm so happy we had you on today all right friends you made it to the end of the episode you know what to do now. Head over to our Instagram account, Conversations with Kenzie, and let us know what you loved about the episode. Or let us know what you didn't love. What questions did we miss? What questions could we have asked differently? Let us know there. As always, stay curious, keep asking questions, and keep making conversations in your everyday life. Until next time.